Welcome to Draftutopia. I'm Chris Ransom, and joining me is Oren Cheery. We've got some news to discuss. Um, I think we'll lead off with Derek Carr to the Saints. I know he was your favorite quarterback on the Raiders, but the team released him. Saints picked him up, and I know you're happy about that because the Saints are your favorite NFC team. Well, let's talk about it a little bit. I'm not going to go into too much detail. Most of us uh, kind of know what uh, Trent, what involved in the transactions a couple hours ago. First of all, um, there Raider fans I know from uh, being at that angle. They're very split on him and who he is and all this uh, things surrounding there but uh, in either case the Raiders didn't do him the m- much justice he's going to a team I believe with a better offensive line a defense that's quite a, a lot better than the, the Raiders were at I would say a coach that he's familiar with actually he did uh, have him um, for, for a while over there uh, with the Raiders um, and then so he's going to a good place. I think all the Jet Jets talk was a little bit, uh, you know, hoopla, because you're not going to go to a team that hasn't won it in many, many years, you know, and they haven't had a good, successful quarterback in many, many years, too. Um, so I think he's at the right place for him. It doesn't matter who my team is or who uh, who I like, but... He doesn't get much this year, but it actually works up to his benefit. He got a deal for $150 million for four years. It's about average, about $37.5 million, I think, all in all. Um, You cannot, a lot of people look at the stats and make fun of him. You got to look at his whole career and, and who he had to throw to. I mean, this was the one season where he actually had a number one quarterback. Um, yeah, he had rugs for a little bit. He had, a, you know, Cooper for a little bit. But you can't just, uh, he never really had like a superstar wide um, receiver to throw to. Cooper was good in his career, but the problem is Cooper's always been a top 20 receiver. He's never been a top five receiver. And I think that's the point you're really trying to hit home here, Oren. Correct. Um, you know, and then what's nice, you know, um, he ha- he had a good time. I mean, he all- it just seemed like all in all, everything throughout, because Waller didn't ha- had a down year again, and Hunter Renfro was injured. And I just feel that the year was not 100% his fault. He's trying. He was trying to learn and learn, learn a new system. Then his his you know weapons were not there. Um, that that he cannot just use Adam. So he didn't have the luck that he wanted to have, and that was not a good situation for him. This is going to be a great situation. I'm not going to look at the South right now because the QBs of the South, but the other QBs are not going to be the QBs starting day one, other than Derek Carr. What about we Desmond Ritter? If the if the Falcons do not get a quarterback in the draft or trade for Lamar Jackson, that's well, a clear that's indicator. I was thinking. I mean, Ritter's still young. I don't even know why people think. I mean, the, to write them off 
just because he hasn't had much. Why do you draft a quarterback so early in the draft if you don't? You're not going to play him. You, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, he played the final four games for Atlanta and won the last two games. I think he's going to get a chance next year. Trask is the QB on Tampa right now, but that's a wait-and-see situation. And right now, the QB1 on Carolina is Matt Corral. That's another wait-and-see situation with both of those guys being second and third-round picks in their respective drafts along with Ritter. I think Ritter's going to play, but the other two are wait-and-see situations for Carolina and Tampa. Yeah, it's, it's a really uh, see what's going to happen in that division. I my, my early selection right now would be the Saints anyway. Yeah. With the workers they have in place, I think they will find a way to uh, re-sign uh, Michael Collins or bring somebody in. But they still have Chris Olave, and I think they, they got the pieces there. Um for, for for the Saints to be very yeah, sexy. Yeah, I think if Penning can take that next step in his development and win the left tackle job over James Hurst, this is the team to beat in the division. If he can't, we'll see what happens. But at this point, right now, as of March, a week, a few days, heading into free agency, I think the Saints have earned the distinction of being the favorite in that division thanks to this move. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really, last year, were without a quarterback. And you have to, you know, um, so you have to really, I'm not saying they were completely without a quarterback. I shouldn't say that. But, you know, I mean, without a a top 10 quarterback. And now they got their top 10 guy. I think he's going to be a top 10 in this division type of thing. Um, He didn't, wasn't able to perform. But like you said, you know, hey, if I'm looking um, right now, I mean, I don't think, you know, right now what they have, I mean, look at the the offensive line for what they have right now and for the Saints. Hurst, Pete, Ramsick. I mean, come on. That's already better, those three guys. And then you have Eric McCoy and Cesar Ruiz on yeah, the interior that. with those guys. Right. I'm not like, sold on James Hurst, but I think the rest of the offensive line is good when they're healthy, like really good. Yeah, right. that's what I'm saying. So they have a top offensive line comparison to the Raiders. You only can name one guy on the Raiders, right? Yeah, with the Raiders, it's basically Colton Miller, and Illuminor actually did well this year. The Raiders had two offensive tackles in the top 31 out of 81 offensive tackles on pro football focus. But the Saints, I feel like the Saints have a better core. And you drafted Penning in the first round of the draft, so... He, there's a chance he could beat out Hurst in training camp next year as well. But the rest of the line it has a lot of good starters on it as just a whole. So you could certainly argue that as a whole, New Orleans' offensive line at every position outside a left tackle is better than what he had with the Raiders. Right. And, I mean, then you could go to the defense, which he, ne- he didn't have at all. Uh, um, you cannot name a pro ball other than Crosby on your defense, correct? Yeah, and there was only one game all season where... Come on, you got... I mean, the the defense... New Orleans has a great defense. That's... Exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, we know that all those names, they're known in their household names, right? Yeah, there was only one... I don't think there was a single game this year where New Orleans had every starter on defense, and I think there was only one game where the Saints had all their top three corners and everyone on the front seven at full health, 
And I think that was against the Eagles. And Marcus May was injured that week. But everyone else besides Marcus May was fully healthy in that win where the Saints went to Philadelphia with Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill at quarterback, and they beat Gardner Minshew. As everyone on the Saints defense was healthy that week, and I think a lot of people downplayed that and picked the Eagles. I was one of the few that I think picked the Saints in the upset. But I don't remember if I picked the Saints or the Eagles, but that's not the point. point is the Saints won that game. Right. Anyway, let's uh, move to the uh, the second guy in the picture. Um, before we, uh, there's three guys that are made news. Let's move to the, another veteran, uh, Lamar Jackson. You know, uh, so he gets a franchise deal. Um, you know, the the significance of the franchise deal is basically, hey, yes, you're here, but uh, you know, I think. Do you think he'll he'll get um, another team will want to you know tr- seek him out basically? I think the reason a lot of these teams are being quiet right now is pretty simple. If you make this move, the Ravens can always decline your offer sheet and match it. Right. And they would. The other thing is, if you make the offer, your quarterback might want to be traded. So a lot of teams are playing it safe. Because they don't want to piss off their quarterbacks. And I think that's part of the reason why Lamar isn't getting paid. I think the other reason is the owners don't want to have to hand out another fat contract like they did with Deshaun Watson. Especially to a quarterback that's missed as many games over the last two years as Lamar Jackson. I think both of those variables are in play there. I know Geno Smith got paid. Daniel Jones got paid along with Derek we'll get, Carr. We'll get to those two quarterbacks just one thing at a time. Okay, we're not going <laughs> to we don't have to jump the gun on those quarterbacks, but I think it's just amazing that those guys got paid and you can make an argument that Lamar is a better quarterback than those two simply because of his MVP season. The problem is he's He's missed games with injuries the last 2 years after leading the Ravens to a playoff win. He's missed games with injuries the last two years, and that's kept the Ravens from making the playoffs. But when he, but, but before he got injured, the Ravens led the division in both of the last two seasons, which is worthy of being pointed out. I mean, so, you know, that, that given, given take, yes, I believe Lamar Jackson deserves, I don't know what their, um, their cap is, but, you know, maybe it is better off for them not to lose any players or what have you um, and keep him. Um, I don't see the Ravens not keeping him. Um, you know, I, I really just don't. I think it's just a bunch of rumors. Oh, Atlanta's going to try to get him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I don't I don't think any team's going to move on that because there's nobody. You know, we only, you know only one veteran quarterback, and we'll get to that, him at the end, but um, is moving anywhere. And I, I, there's no real trade talks. It's all rumors. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, let's move to Daniel Jones. Exciting kid. Great season for him last year. He gets the, t- the long-term concept contract that he that he kind of I guess you can say he deserved in this sense. It is a big contract, four years, one hundred and sixty million dollars. I mean, it's split. He gets thirty-five million in incentives, eighty-two million for the first two years, ninety-four 
virtually guaranteed on signing. I mean, this is calls for a New York moment because that is huge for a young player. Agreed. And there's a lesson to be learned here. Use the fifth-year tender when you have it. The Giants didn't use their fifth-year tender on Daniel Jones. The Raiders didn't use their fifth-year tender on Josh Jacobs. But let's stick. To, I'll stick to Jones here. Because the Giants didn't use that fifth-year tender on Jones, Jones felt like he had a chip on his shoulder, wins a playoff game over Kirk Cousins. Now the Giants have to pay him $40 million a year instead of $32.5 million a year, which is what Lamar Jackson's making. Well, he would have made $23 million under the fifth-year tender, $23 to $29 million, somewhere in that range under the fifth-year tender. But you're paying him an extra $17 million, essentially, because you didn't use the fifth-year tender on him. And I still think he would have got extended either way, with or without that fifth-year tender, Oren, because they would have looked, his agent would have looked at that and said, okay, Jones has one more year on the contract, let's extend him now. And then they would have had him for five more years instead of four. But I think it worked out well for the Giants here. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, I know for sure, the Giants will get a good, I mean, you know, I think he's one of the better young quarterbacks, and he deserves it to be. He needed to be there. I, I, I know he is asking for too much, and he got too much, but whatever. Can't fight him. Yeah, he got he, four years, one hundred sixty million, forty million per year. I don't think. I think he got a little, slightly too much, but it wasn't at the point because there were some people saying he wanted more money than Mahomes, and he didn't get that. But he got about forty million a year. Over four yeah, years. No, basically, I'm going to tell you this. Look at it this way. Would you rather have a veteran like Derek Carr run your offense, or would you rather have Daniel Jones run your offense? From experience, I'd take Carr, but from a youth longevity standpoint, I'd take Jones. And Jones is a playoff win on his resume, which is something Carr doesn't have. Well, yeah. But well, but yeah, as far yeah. as career averages go, I would argue that Carr's career numbers are better than Jones's. Yeah, I mean, he has, he has five more years of experience. And repetitive coaching, coaching, coaching changes, which the Raiders are known for. Unfortunately, the last nine years of his career have all been five coaches. That's five systems, maybe six. So, uh, so that we'll see what happens uh, uh, on when it comes to Carr again. But that's why I, I, I would take Carr for the next two years. I, I, before I think Daniel Jones, it's just such a competitive the NFC, and I can see these uh, two for the next two years competing with. Uh, uh, just the Packers as well and uh, a couple of other Cowboys and stuff. I, I, I think four or five of those teams that uh, are going to be really high on the chart when we get to those kind of discussions as well. Let's talk about the last guy here on the chart that made a big uh, input, and that is Geno Smith. Who would have thought last year, or two years ago, I should say, two years ago, this guy would get a giant deal? It's crazy because he was originally brought in to back up Russell Wilson. Seattle keeps him after trading Russell Wilson, but they have Geno and Drew Locke compete for the starting job. Geno starts every game, wins NFC Player of the Month in the month of October, gets Seattle the playoffs, and gets paid. So, yeah. 
So $35 million, and who would have thought that? I mean, at a tremendous rate, you made like, you were making like $4 million, and now you're getting $35 million. So that's a huge raise for a veteran quarterback. Yeah, and Dude. this was Geno's fourth team, I think he was on, his fourth different NFL team since the 2013 NFL draft. Um E.J. Manuel, the first quarterback taken in that draft, is now on the ACC Network. Geno finally got paid. Um, the third quarterback, Mike Glennon's a free agent. Nobody wants Mike Glennon. The fourth quarterback in that draft, Matt Barkley, is a on the Bills practice squad for one more week, but essentially he'll probably be a free agent. And then the fifth quarterback, Ryan Nassib, is out of the league, even though his younger brother, Carl Nassib, still in the league as a backup. So... Just a recap on the top five QBs from the 2013 draft, and Geno Smith is the only one that got paid among that group of five. But it took him his fourth team, took him the coaching under Seattle and Pete Carroll for things to finally click for Geno Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so last year he did make $2 million. $2 million. And I said four. He made $2 million. Can you believe it? He got a bonus of $25 million. Yeah. I mean, you know that guy bought a house. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Yeah, so anyway, I'm happy for him. I remember him when he got into the league. I think you and I had a, I don't know, a discussion a few years back about him. Um, and, and this is nice to see the, these guys uh, yeah. like him, you know. Um, I, he was, he, he, I, you know, this, he, he didn't leave for about nine years too, just like Carr. Um, he, he got, you know, he was one of the first rounds, so that was 2.4 million. And then he had up and down seasons and he really, really never really got paid much. You know, um, I think his highest salary was only 7 million. So huge jump. Huge jump for him, and I'm very excited. Um, you know, most of his seasons besides Seattle were with the Jets. I don't count the Giants one year and the Chargers one year. I mean, those were like his bullshit ones. Excuse my language, but that's true. Nice, nice. Uh, I think he was on, he was, um, came in part of, part of the season of 2019, uh, I believe, right? 2019, Geno Smith joined Seattle at the part part of the season, and then he got a, a what is a veteran minimum, of like eight eight hundred thousand came in and backed him up, backed up Russell, backed up, got, kept getting the minimum, you know, whatever it was, and maybe a signing bonus, whichever added up. Then finally, he became a starter in 2022, got a little raise, which is nice. But this is a huge bonus for him, and I'm 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 very excited. And I hope he it becomes very successful in the league. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what he does because he's got everyone on Seattle. Seattle drafted some good offensive linemen. Seattle was a team that had six rookie starters. There were only five other NFL teams that had that, and all five of those teams won Super Bowls. I think the Cowboys had that, the Steelers in the 70s had that, the Saints had that. The uh, I'm not saying Seattle will follow suit. I'm saying there have been a uh, few teams that have had six rookie starters in the draft, and all six of those teams ended up winning a Super Bowl at some point. 
I think the Bears were one of those teams and the Cowboys in the 90s. So all – and then the last team to do that was the 06 Saints. They were the last team to actually get six starters in a draft and win the Super Bowl. And Seattle had six different rookies start last year. I'm not saying that trend's going to continue, but if Geno Smith can improve on what he did last year, Seattle has an outside shot of making that happen. But I'm not going to sit here and say they'll do it. Because I think it's too early to make that conclusion right now. Gino's got to improve after getting what he earned last year. Yeah, definitely. But if he does, then maybe it might happen. We'll see. So I'm sure, for definitely for sure that uh, that way, you know. And I, uh, that, that's fun to talk about. Um, let's move into our little college. Uh, College, uh, Did you want to talk about Aaron Rodgers briefly before we... Oh, uh, sorry about that. I, I jumped the gun a little bit. No problem. Um, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers, folks. Uh, the final veteran that we're going to discuss uh, before we get into the college boys. So Aaron Rodgers is stuck in a hard place. People love him in Green Bay. Been there for you know good almost 10 years, I believe, correct? Yeah. And um, very successful career, Super Bowl uh, champion. Um, and I think he's still one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Uh, in making that case, um, he has a understand Jordan Love behind him. So Green is saying Jordan Love is ready to start. Is it kind of the same thing they kind of did with Rodgers when Brett Favre? Yes, Green Bay is kind of already known for this already. And to follow Brett Favre's footsteps, I feel that he probably will end up in the jet, with the Jets. That's the only trade discussions um, that uh, are in place. Yeah, you hear rumors about the Raiders making a move to Rodgers. I think that's very far-fetched. I think Josh McDaniels rather have a young quarterback that's going to listen. If he wanted a veteran quarterback, um, I, I feel that he would have uh, kept Carr. I think he wants someone who can learn from him, just like Matt Jones did. Um it's just that's the way Josh McDaniels is. So I don't think Raiders, they're going to get a draft pick or a very young quarterback. I, I think all this talk about Garoppolo or, or Rodgers, Raiders are not going to spend their money on getting a veteran. Don't you agree? I think the, the only way I could see the Raiders passing on a quarterback in the draft is if they were to sign, either trade for Aaron Rodgers or sign no, two free I, I agents. I don't think Rodgers is going to... the. Raiders either or in that's, well, that's what, I'm, that, what, what I'm saying is again um, I'm saying but let me finish br briefly because what I'm saying is is that the Raiders would have to sign two journeyman quarterbacks I'm saying bring back Garoppolo and Stidham it, that's what they would have to do to keep me from mocking a quarterback to them at seven because I think they're going to take Rit let Richardson or Levis and I heard they've had Richardson great and ahead of Levis but I think they're going to take one of those two at seven and groom them to be the quarterback of the future rather than rush them in the lineup to start them day one. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's ultimately what the Raiders will end up doing. 
You got anything you want to add to that? Yeah, just uh, give me a second. No problem. Again, I, I, I think in order for the Raiders to get Young or Stroud, they would have to make a trade up to one. I don't see them trading up. I think they're going to stay put at seven and take whoever drops to them, whether it's Richardson or Levis. If Richardson's there at seven, I think they'll pick him. If Richardson goes in the top five and Levis is there at seven and he's the only QB left, he'll end up on the Raiders. I, I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't agree with that decision, but... Ultimately, yeah. that's how I think it's going to play out. Right. Yeah, I just uh, yeah, I just feel that uh, yeah, they go with a younger quarterback. I mean, if uh, for example, San Francisco were to let one of the young guys go, which uh, let's say Trey Lance, for example, isn't he a free agent, Trey Lance? No, Trey Lance is still on his rookie deal for. Two more years, and the Niners have a fifth-year option for Trey Lance, but I'm almost certain they're not going to use it on him unless Purdy gets injured again and Trey Lance tears the world on fire next year. Right. Yeah, but I'm just saying uh, somebody like one of that, those kind of thing, I, I feel that probably uh, they may make a move for it because they, they don't have... I mean, that's why I said Jared Stitt. I've been telling people... Jared Stidham's not bad. He's not a bad quarterback. You just need somebody else there. and But you don't need a superstar. You're not going to win this season. Build the defense. Build the offensive line. You're not going to win this season, folks. Hate to tell you. Yeah, and that's why you build the trenches now and then if you end up with Caleb Williams in 2024, you can just pick him. And if the Raiders are picking number one in 2024, they'll probably fire Josh McDaniels and you'll have a good coach and you'll have Caleb Williams. So We were talking about Rodgers, so let's not get too sidetracked. And I just feel that the Rodgers is going to go to the Jets. That's my pick for him. I agree. And uh, that sort of ends there. Those are the five uh, guys that are doing some rotations, but just doing some signings. That's the quarterback. Next week we'll talk about another position. But right now we're sticking with the quarterbacks, and we're going to move the quarterbacks for college and where they might go on, on the team. Yeah. Um, there's four guys projected to go in the first round. I'm, well, let's talk about the top six. I, I don't mind doing that if you like. Yeah, we can talk about the top. Uh, I think there are eight. I think there are seven quarterbacks worthy well, of going in the, the first. Number one guy. The number one guy everybody knows right now is Bryce Young. Yeah. So Bryce Young, in our make believe draft was traded out of the blue to go to Detroit Lions, which is such a BS, because Detroit Lions are not going to get rid of Goff's salary. That's $30 million a year. 
To be it's fair, the person picking for Detroit didn't like Goff, but at the same token, Goff did so well this year, I feel like he essentially earned another year as the starting quarterback in yeah, reality. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It's just far-fetched. If I saw that and thought about it, that would never have happened. In anyway. my updated mock draft, I have Bryce Young to the Texans at two, but I believe if a team trades up with Chicago, they will pick Bryce Young at one. Forcing yeah, I, the Texans to take Stroud at two. Yeah, I am going to say, let's do this. I'm going to go. Ian Rappaport tweeted, there's four teams interested in trading up for Bryce Young. The Texans, the mm-hmm. Colts, the Falcons, and the Panthers. So, I think of those teams, either the Colts or the Panthers will end up getting Bryce Young, assuming Chicago makes a trade. Well, let's talk about Bryce Young for a minute on who, you know, Bryce Young, let me say this about Bryce Young, um, because I'm going to say he's, Bryce Young is a very talented um, player, and he has a good leadership and ability. I, I I think he has the ability to be one of the top QBs in the league. You, you know, you say this class is weak, but he is not weak. He's a very strong quarterback. He's very got super instincts. Um, you know, hasn't been a great, great, phenomenal quarterbacks to come out of Alabama and are successful in the NFL. But I think since the size, his, and his footing are really good, I just believe he is going to excel in the NFL. I do too. But, the. Yeah. Ability to, I think he has the most composure of any quarterback I've seen dating back to Lawrence and Burrow. I think his composure is on their level. I don't think his arm talent, his accuracy is on their level. At the same token, I think his composure is on that type of level. And he's calm. He's got a he's got a good arm, not a great arm, but he's super accurate. He's calm in the pocket. Let's do this. I believe you said Texans. I'm going to go with Texans here, and uh, we'll move to the second Assuming guy. Assuming there's no trades, I think the Texans take Bryce Young at two. No, Texans. We'll just go with the Texans. We're not doing any trades in our discussion today. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Number two, the Colts at four. I think they draft C.J. Stroud. I think Stroud is the second quarterback off the board. They haven't interviewed Will Levis that could mean something. It could mean nothing. I mean, the Raiders didn't interview Amari Cooper when they drafted him fourth overall. But the Colts, the fact that they didn't interview Levis at the Combine leads me to believe that C.J. Stroud, quarterback Ohio State, will be the second quarterback off the board and the fourth overall pick, assuming the Bears and Cardinals stay put at one and three. And like Oren said, we're not doing trade scenarios today. So that's that. So Stroud has a size, arm length, elite overall accuracy, the ability to throw from the pocket very well. I like this tape. You guys watch his tape. He's one of the best. He, to me, you know, you know. Let me tell you a good comparison to CJ Stroud. You might hate me for this, Chris, but Justin Herbert. <laughs> look at the stance and look at the pressure that he has. Same kind of quarterback. Yeah. And uh, if he's on the right team, I don't know about the Colts, but if he's on the right team, um, he can make a thing. I I actually, 
I feel that the Panthers will try to grab him. They're not going to move that high, but they're going to try to grab him about uh, in in front of the uh, in front of the Colts at four. So you think the Panthers will trade up to three with Arizona and get Stroud, which I could very well see happening. And assuming there's no trades, I think the third quarterback off the board will be at number seven, and that'll be Anthony Richardson. If there is, if the Panthers were to move up to like three and grab Stroud, I think Richardson would come off the board at four to the Colts. But at the same token, Richardson could be in play at two to the Texans because I still think it's Bryce Young's job to lose in Houston, but if the Texans were to go after a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo in free agency— I could see them drafting Richardson at two and developing him. But I have Anthony Richardson going to the Raiders at seven. And Yeah, I mean, if I mean I mean, you said the Colt I mean, if the Colts take where the Panthers are not till nine. So if there's no trade, yes, of course Richardson is gonna fall in the lap. I don't think uh, I don't. I really highly doubt. I think Livitz is the most overrated quarterback in a long time. I agree with that and say assessment entirely. I think most of our staff at Draftytopia agrees with that. I mean, I don't know what is going on with the media. What they're so fascinated. Dude, the guy had ten interceptions. Let he was ranked in passing. Let me tell you, seventy first. Overall, all the college quarterbacks, 71st. So how in the world are you going to put him in the top 10? I I think there is only one team in the top 10 that could pick Will Levis, and that is the Panthers at 9, assuming the Panthers don't move up and Richardson comes off the board at 7. I think 9 would be the earliest Levis goes, assuming there's no trades. And he could end up dropping a lot further than that if the Panthers passed on him at 9. We're talking to maybe 22 where the Vikings took him in our group. I mean, if I were the Panthers, and I wouldn't take Levis. I would take a big defensive end, whoever's the best player in front of me, and pick up Hooker, and you got, your, you got a better quarterback in the second round. Yeah, I mean, you could you got Matt Corral. Matt Corral was the number one QB on the Panthers' big board in twenty twenty two. I think me, I, I, to me, even McPhee, who's tall, McKee or whatever, Tanner McKee <coughs> from Stanford, he didn't have the best season. So that's why he's all the way at number six or seven or whatever. But he, to me, to me, that's where Will Levitt should be. Yeah, I th- I have two quarterbacks graded ahead of Will Levis that are probably going to go in the third round of the draft, maybe later. And those two quarterbacks are Senior Bowl MVP Jake Hayner and mm-hmm. UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who really impressed me at the East-West Shrine Bowl in Las Vegas earlier this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you got. I mean, I don't understand it, and I could be wrong. It's not me that making these assessments, but as the Georgia QB ranked all the way down on the token pole, and this guy from Kentucky in the same division who didn't win shit. Excuse my language again. I have both um, Paxton Lynch and Mitchell Trubisky graded ahead of Will Levis, and I thought both of those quarterbacks would bust, as did Joey, but... That's not the point. The 
Point is, I have Levis graded both or the two quarterbacks that I thought were going to be busts in Trubisky and Paxton Lynch. So that should tell you something. And I think it's pretty obvious why he fell to 22 in our group mock. To and well, I, I mean, to me, I, I'm just I'm just asking myself. If you want to develop a QB, okay, great. He got six four, six three, whatever the guy is. He is, he is. If you're the Panthers, you can go out, bring in Jacoby Brissett, use an RFA tender on PJ Walker, and then you'll have Brissett, Matt Corral, and PJ Walker. You won't have to draft a quarterback at nine. You can take the best player on your board with that selection. That's why. I don't understand why the Panthers don't go out and get Brissett because Brissett played in Frank Reich's offense for three years. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's still free agency hasn't started. But that's the other thing. It's like, okay, now, what are we doing? I, I don't know what the media, because the coaches are not saying anything, you know. Um the coaches haven't said anything. It's the media that are driving Levitz or whoever to me that, or he has some good agent um, out of the blue that he thinks he's the top three quarterback in this year's draft. And I don't know how. I really, really don't. Um, he had, I mean, if he had three seasons, I believe, in Kentucky, and if you look at 2020 season, he was terrible. He, he actually only had two seasons at Kentucky. He was actually he, he actually lost the starting quarterback job at Penn State to Sean Clifford, and then he transferred to Kentucky after he couldn't win that job at, at Penn State. I, mean, I, I, I can go through some of the things. Is first of all, he needs to improve. You know the way he throws the freaking ball. Look at his stance, guys. Look at freaking stance. Anyway, he doesn't know how to get out of blitzes. He changes, tries to change the thing. He gets in the stuck in coverages. You got, I mean, I don't know where they see his talent. I see, I've seen every quarterback in the top three of this draft Young, Stroud, Richardson. I've seen them go one, two, three, four, five, six, look at all their reads and still complete a pass. I've seen Levis make maybe one or two reads and then the guy takes off and runs. So I think his ability to process information is the weakest of the four quarterbacks in this draft. I could be wrong in my assessment, Orrin, but that's just how I feel about Levis. And going to the combine, going to his pro date, that's not going to improve or change that because those workouts are scripted. Whereas the Senior Bowl or Shrine Bowl, if he'd gone to one of those games, he could have improved in that area. He's not going to improve in that area. So that's yeah, why I'm very cautious about picking. Well, playing for Penn State, like you said, and he throws his inconsistency. I, I mean, he's very inconsistent. I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's just another Baker Mayfield or something like that. Come on, guys. People wake up. Baker had the football intelligence, and he could read a defense well in yeah. college. He, I don't think Levis is... Football IQ okay, is on Baker's maybe, level, maybe, but in your maybe, defense, maybe, uh, I think maybe, Levis has a better arm than Baker. In your defense. <laughs> okay, but you get what I'm saying. I just mm-hmm. need to improve a lot on yeah. a couple of things. 
and I just don't see him starting for an NFL team. I really don't. You're taking a guy who people think he's going to go in the top 10, top 15 maybe, and start right away, and you're comparing him to Josh Allen? Are you freaking kidding me? Anyway. Yeah. The Josh Allen comparison is not appropriate, and I just think it's hilarious how Ryan Leaf said, Ryan Leaf compared him to Allen too, but I'm not going to even open that can of worms. I feel like we spent too much time on that topic. Let's talk about the Pac-12 now. Uh, All right, let's move to the Pac-12. And uh, we have a pending Pac-12 right now. You have USC and uh, UCLA moving away um, from the Pac-12 come you know, come next next uh, next season, twenty twenty four. Yeah, and um, it's just what what will happen to the Pac twelve, and that is major sports is really football, basketball. Yeah, there's some uh, baseball, and you know, um, I don't really think they have a great hockey type of thing, but and then you have a lot of the the women's sports that are great to see the basketball, the softball. Yeah, the Pac-12 is great. It's a very, I would hate to see it go. And um, there's a lot there that they have a very prominent championships, not just from the two teams leaving. And um, about 10 years ago now, I think Utah and Colorado were brought in and they had the Pac-10. Now they're the Pac-12. Two teams are leaving. Um, and hopefully uh, two to four teams come in, maybe six eventually. Yeah, because the um, rumor is um, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah would head to the Big 12, and Oregon and Washington could head to the Big 10. That, those well, are two rumors. Yeah. I think that rumor, so- that rumor sounds like hogwash, but it was reported last week that Oregon and Washington could end up in the Big 10 down the road, and Utah, Colorado... Arizona, Arizona State would end up in the Big 12. Right. Well, the thing is, I'm saying if I'm trying to first dig in to what the Pac-12 is and and then go off to t- that, that is another tangent, yes. So if the, we can say that, if we go into the Pac-12 and dig roots because they, they, they don't expand, they don't get a TV deal, they don't get anything, no media deal, whatever it's called, and... They have no financial base, um, and they can't expand. The only way they can expand is they merge with the ACC. That's like the last thing. And then, I don't see yeah. Oregon, Washington leaving the Pac-12 unless Utah bolts first. If Utah and the three other teams I mentioned all bolted to the, I'm not talking about that. Let me finish. Okay. I'm not talking about that yet. That's one of the things that could happen if it disperses. Yeah. But if it doesn't, all of the teams are going to stay put. Yeah. They just have to get other teams. If they pick up Fresno State, San Diego State, or, you know, uh, um, what's that other school that I was, uh, uh, Southern Mississippi, uh, um, some, I mean, uh, yeah, so, South, uh, Southern Miss, Southern Methodist University, that's what it is. Um, but if they pick up some of these schools, or two of them, they're going to stay put, Chris. It's just a matter of it all happening. Um, you know, so 
let's 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 just say what are the schools that come save the Pac-12? Before you say what might happen, let's discuss what schools may save the Pac-12. How about that? Yeah, I think you have to look at the Mountain West. Um, the the one school, the two schools in the Mountain Division that I could see joining the Pac-12 are Utah State and Colorado State. Now, the two schools in the Mountain, the West Division of the Mountain West are Fresno State and San Diego State. I'm not ruling out San Jose State. I just don't think they're big enough to enter that discussion yet. I'm really looking at Fresno State, San Diego State, Utah State, and Colorado State if the Pac-12 were to absorb a few schools from the Mountain West and bring them over. I believe that the Pac-12 needs to add San Diego State as a prime candidate. It's where... An hour and a half or two hours, yeah. if you want to say. San Diego um, State's already in the Pac-12 for men's soccer and women's soccer, so I think San Diego State will be added to the Pac-12 for football eventually. I don't think that's a matter yeah. of if, it's a matter of when that transpires, because San Diego State already is in the Pac-12 in a few sports for soccer, so I think that will eventually happen in football as well as the, they... Another school, the other school, if they get San Diego State, everybody says, you know, Southern Methodist, that's a new main Okay, I don't think they're going to dig in there first. No. I don't, they haven't made anything calls to that. I think two other schools will play a big role. Number one is UNLV. People don't think, oh, they have a shitty team, blah, blah, blah. No, UNLV got money. They got a big stadium. It's right in the heart of Las Vegas. And they've got an amazing practice facility where I was at for the Shrine game. And that is a prime candidate. That's a team I did not mention. But, you know, them... And then mention one of the Mountain West schools. Another Mountain West school is up north. And uh, that is Derek Carr's alumni. Fresno State. Don't forget them either. Fresno State is actually rather competitive once in a while. They have been in the pack, uh, the top twenty-five once in a while, so I could see them in that in that realm also to be another candidate uh, to to join the, the Pac-12. And I think this needs to get done. It really does. Um, another one are the Broncos, which are the Broncos of Boise State, not the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are Boise State. Um, they, as you know, they've been in the top five. I think Boise State will end up in the Big 12, but I look at the Mountain West Conference as a whole. You have Boise State, Air Force, Utah State, Colorado State, Wyoming, New Mexico in the Mountain Division. I think Utah State, Colorado State, Wyoming, and New Mexico all would be the four most likely to get in the Pac-12. And then the West, you have Fresno State, San Diego State, San Jose State, UNLV, Nevada, and Hawaii. I think any team except Hawaii is a candidate for the Pac-12 in the West Division. For the I, don't, I don't think uh, Utah State or um, you mentioned another one. Was it Colorado uh, State or New Mexico? Colorado State is a very good candidate because Colorado is half an hour away. 
I think the candidate that I mentioned that wouldn't be a very good candidate is either Wyoming or New Mexico, and I could yeah, see Wyoming. Wyoming. Forget Wyoming. Okay. Wyoming, not even a chance. They'll go to a smaller division. They would probably go to the Big 12 like Boise, in my opinion, Wyoming. No, if they I were. don't even think Wyoming will be a float. They haven't even made a... you got to remember, you have to look at how often are they winning more than five games. The last time I think Wyoming made a bowl game was when they had a... Josh Allen at quarterback. I could be wrong on that. Yeah. But, but you get what I'm saying. It's yeah. not a big thing. Um, and they don't have that much money. Their stadium is not that big. Um, you you got to look at the only... This is why I haven't mentioned SMU, because they're in where basically the Big the, the big 12 is. and But they were overlooked for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, the top three schools in recruiting in 2022 in the Mountain West were Boise State, San Diego State, Fresno State. And I think Boise would rather go to the Big 12 than the Pac-12. So that leaves San Diego State and Fresno State as those prime candidates for expansion. Yeah, Utah State could be another one as well. Um, let's get to free agent predictions on the top 10 um, what did you mean by that exactly? Well, free agent, where do you think they're going to land? The basic top 10, we, uh, let me, um, let me think about it for a second. For example, well, we kind of knew one thing. Okay. So you look at the top free agent tracker. Okay. And what's happening what, where do you think these guys are going to go? So, we look, we already know the quarterbacks, except Jimmy Garoppolo and Kobe Brissett. So let's not talk about them. We could already mention We them. already mentioned the quarterbacks at the beginning. So yeah. we'll mention so the top do, 10 quarterback, do, top 10 um, non-quarterbacks. How about that? Yeah, let's do... Do you want to start... Backs. We haven't even mentioned the running backs, but three of the running back, top running backs, are already franchised tags. Jacoby, Barkley, and Pollard all got the franchise tags already. Williams probably, I don't know how they're going to work a deal with Detroit. We'll see what, where he ends up. Yeah. Um, wide receivers. Okay, this is a great topic because wide receivers are really the ones that move. You know, they move a lot of places. Let's talk about the first five wide receivers. Juju Smith-Schuster, does he stay with KC or where does he go? I think Juju's the top free agent on the market, and I think he ends up in Atlanta. I think Atlanta would be willing to pay to make him a number one or number two target. Atlanta has a lot of cap space. The Bears could be another option as well, but Juju is going to be the highest-valued free agent among the wide receiver group. Um I think the top non-quarterback player would either be Javon Hargrave or Orlando Brown Jr. at uh, offensive tackle. Um, so I think those are the two non-QBs that are going to command the highest salaries, which is why I brought those guys up. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's um, you know, we have, there's a lot of, uh, you know, don't forget about Raquan Stick, too. Yeah. Smith, uh, Roquan Smith got a five-year extension. Five years, 
100 million. million dollar contract. That's right. That's right. So he's not going to be on the market. Um, and you uh, talked about Hargrave too. Yeah, I talked Eagle. about Hargrave and Chiefs left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. Um, another player that's going to be on the market is Frank Clark. The Chiefs released Frank Clark to save cap space, so he will be on the market. Um, Jesse Bates the third, the Bengals safety who got franchise tag last offseason, he will be on the market as a free agent, probably the top safety available. And Oh, you know, uh the corner, James Bradbury, that's right. Yeah. Um, so he had a prove it deal with the Eagles. Do you think they re sign him? I don't know if they re sign him or not. There's a lot of players on the market this year. They might draft someone at ten or thirty. Um, a, a couple of these guys to join uh, <laughs> but anyway um, there's teams that have money let's talk about the teams that have money Chicago, the Raiders you have a lot of teams that Falcons. have a lot of money they don't have to do much anymore and they can spend it to get these big guys yeah, the so Raiders like Bengals and Patriots have the most cap space the AFC teams, the three AFC teams with the most cap space are the Raiders, Bengals and Patriots, those are the three teams that literally have the most money to spend in free agency among the AFC group. Yeah, I mean, a guy that I I think would do good on the Raiders and people don't think about is that Jesse Bates. They need a safety help, and I think they'll get it from him. He's young enough, and he's a good player. And a veteran that the Raiders could get in free agency is middle linebacker Levante David, um, one of the better off-the-ball linebackers, and he... Was I think he was drafted by Tampa Bay, and he's played with the Buccaneers for over 10 years now. So, I mean, David it would be a great addition for the Raiders. And one more receiver besides Juju that's considered the top receiver in free agency is Jacoby Myers of the Patriots. That's another guy worth mentioning. Okay, Deron Payne got franchise tag. He was the number nine free agent. Uh, I'm going to go back to the offensive line. 49ers right tackle Mike McGlinchey is a free agent, and he's considered the number 11 free agent on Pro Football Focus's top 100 list. And I cannot read the list after 11 unless I subscribe to their site. So I'm not going to do that. No, we'll have to go somewhere uh, else. It's been an hour, Chris, and I'm going to have to get on the road here. But it's great having our discussion. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to Oh, yeah. The- Can we quickly re- mention the comp picks before we sign off? The comp picks for the NFL draft. Can we quickly do that? I mean, I'll do that. Which one? What do you have? The compensation picks for the 2023 NFL draft. Okay. Third round pick 96, Arizona Cardinals. Third round pick 97, Washington Commanders. Third round pick 98, Cleveland Browns. Pick 99 belongs to the 49ers. Pick 100 currently belongs to the Chiefs, but will be transferred to the New York Giants, thanks to Kadarius Tony trade. And picks 101 and 102 belong to the 49ers in round three. The only fourth round comp pick belongs to the Patriots. And then there are then the Rams, the Cardinals, Cowboys, Packers, Rams again, Giants, 49ers, Raiders, Buccaneers, Cowboys, and Rams all have fifth round comp picks from picks 167 to 177 and then picks 210 to 217 
starting with New England and ending with Kansas City, are all six-round comp picks. Minnesota, Dallas, Arizona, Las Vegas, Washington, San Francisco, and Kansas City. And then there's, um, I think there's nine or ten, there's ten seventh-round comp picks, starting with the Chiefs and ending with the Houston Texans at pick 259. There were 262 picks last year when Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. There will only be 259 selections in this year's NFL draft. So, and the Chiefs will have the first comp pick in round seven. So, then the Texans will have the last comp. The Texans will have the Mr. Irrelevant pick this year. And if they can get a player as good as Brock Purdy with that Mr. Irrelevant pick, that is huge for the Houston Texans. I think it's ironic that the Bears and Texans start this draft and the Bears and Texans finish the draft as well because the Bears have 258 and the Texans have 259, which is the final pick in the draft. I'm not going to read through all the round seven picks. You got Rams 251, Bucks 252, Niners 253, Giants 254, Niners 255, Packers 256, Saints 257, then the Bears at 258, and the Texans at 259. But like I said earlier, Bears and Texans start this draft. Those teams finish this draft. Anything else you want to add a word before we sign off? All right. We'll see you guys later.